The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 2. By the way, I'm Josh. I'm the pastor here if you're new to the church. And uh, if you are new to the church, make sure you stop by in the lobby and say hi to me and my wife, Sarah. We'd love to meet you after the service is over. We're continuing our series that we've been in called Creature of Habit, where we've been looking at, for the last several weeks, the habits of our life and exploring how we can learn to control these habits. Because the deal, here's the deal. Habits are a big deal in our life. Habits are powerful. And statistics tell us that 40% of our life is lived out habitually, meaning that 40% of our life just happens kind of on autopilot. And so if habits are powerful and 40% of our life is just kind of happening, then I think it's important that we as, as Christians, as people, learn how to harness this habit nature that we have and use it for the kingdom of God and for building the kingdom of God in this earth and for, and for helping other people around us. So that's what we've been looking at. And last week we, start, we started uh, talking about specific good godly habits that we need to place in our life. And we began by looking at the habit of connectedness. That God created us to be connected to each other. We were created from connectedness. We were created from the community that was God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the community of the Trinity. We were created in that image, and we, we function best from that image. In fact, when God looked down at Adam after he had created him in the Garden of Eden, he was there all by himself. He had a relationship with God. He had a perfect world that he was living in. And yet God looked at that and said, it's not good that man is alone. Because we can have a relationship with God, and that's great. But if we're not connected with other believers, if we're not connected with other people, then God looks at that and he says, that's, that's not good. And so that's why we're, we're pushing you to get involved in a group, get connected with other people, so they can help you become who it is God's called you to be. And today, I want to look at another uh, habit, a keystone habit, which we talked about this. A keystone habit is a habit that leads to other good habits. And today, I want to look at the keystone habit of purity, the habit of purity is what this message is called if you're taking notes. And I'm going to jump right into this today because i got a lot of ground to cover. And my first point is this. Uh, point number one is this. Purity is God's will for your life. Purity is God's will for your life. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It says, this is God's will. What is it? Your purity of life, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God wants us to live pure lives. He wants us to be pure vessels. He wants us to abstain from things like sexual immorality that will, that will hurt us, that can do damage to our life. And so he asks us, he invites us to live this kind of life and to walk in the will of his, his, what he wants for us, which is to be pure. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, isn't that what it's really all about? Don't you want to see God at work in your life? Don't you want to see God working in, in your world? You know, that, that idea of, of being pure in heart, you know, sometimes we think of it as being when we get saved and we, we walk into salvation and God cleanses us from sin and that someday we get to go to heaven and stand before God. And that's a part of it. But, but God wants you to see God at work in your life now. God wants you to experience the kind of life and live the kind of life where, where you see the favor of God in your life, where you experience the presence of God in your life. Not just that you understand that there is a presence of God in this world, but that you experience it. Like what we just kind of did in worship, where you, you feel something. You feel God in this room. You feel that he's here with us, ministering to us. God wants you to experience that. God wants you to walk in the power of God. 
That comes from being pure. God wants you to know his purposes and live with the kind of peace that he's called you to walk in. God wants you to have purity and, and, and see his hand at work in your life and in your family and in your marriage. That's, what, that's God's will for your life. That's what he's called you to walk in. And you need to understand something. Impurity affects you. And, I, and I'm going to show you this today. But if you want to really achieve what God wants you to achieve, you're going to have to be serious about this. Because we live in a very impure world. And there's a lot of things in this world that are trying to invade our life and try to keep us from the life God's called us to walk in. And if we don't really go after this and fight for purity, uh, we're going to lose this battle. In fact, my second point this morning is this fight for purity is a war. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is war. This is war. Uh, Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. He said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against your soul. Now notice how Peter starts this off. He says, Beloved, I beg you. You ever had somebody say something that to you? Look, I beg you not to go there. I beg you, don't do that. I beg you, don't date that person. I beg you. What are they saying? They're, they're trying to get you to not do something that they know will hurt you. Right? And that's what Peter is saying. I, I beg you, don't abstain from these fleshly lusts. They're going to, what do they do? War against your soul. Now, it's interesting when it talks about that, that, that phrase there, war against your soul. Like sometimes we think of it as kind of like a fight, but it's really not. That, that phrase there talks about a full-fledged military campaign. This is the war that's going on for our purity. That there's an invasion happening with lots of aspects to it. Lots of different phases that's meant to be rolled out over time in your life. This is how the enemy comes against us with, with impurity. He's warring against our souls. He's warring against our minds. He's warring against us to try to prevent us from walking in what God has for us. Listen, the devil is cunning. He's a cunning general. And he's been doing this a long time. He's been attacking people and fighting people. And he knows what he's doing. He's had thousands of years to perfect his craft. And he watches your life. And he looks for opportunities where you're weak, where he can come and attack you and try to keep you from what God has for you. This is war. And the devil hates you. Welcome to New Song Church. And the enemy, Aaron Rodgers, is that, I'm sorry, did I just say that? Excuse me, a little slip of the tongue there. You can tell I'm a Cowboys fan. But the enemy, <laughs> he's out to get you, and he wants to, to ruin your life. The Bible says he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. It says that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's the father of lies. There is a real devil out there, and he, he's out to get you. And he wants to bring this impurity into your life because he wants to stop you from what God's called you to do. He wants to affect your family. He wants to hurt your family. He wants to hurt your influence in this world. He wants to keep, he hates the people that God's called you to minister to. He, he's going to do everything he can to throw stuff at you to try to keep you from, from what God has for you. And so you're going to have to declare war on this. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to throw these fleshly desires at you to try to get you to step into impurity so he can keep you from God's plan for your life. Because see, the devil understands something that you need to understand. This is my third point this morning. And that is this, our desires can be the death of our calling. Our desires can be the death of our calling. Let me, let me just say something. Uh, just because you want to do something doesn't mean that it's okay. And there's, we live in a culture today where it's kind of like, well, 
I know I have, I have a certain bend towards the sin, and so that's okay. I was born this way, so that must make it okay. Listen, I was born to like cheeseburgers. I like cheeseburgers. I like to eat them a lot. But if I eat cheeseburgers all the time, I'll die an early death. Right? Isn't this true? Um, I, I like to sleep. I enjoy sleep. Anybody like enjoy sleep? I like to sleep. If I could, I'd, I'd stay in bed all day. That's a desire I have. But if I live that way, I'm going to waste my life away, right? So just because you desire something, just because you like a certain thing, just because you feel like there may be a, a certain particular sin that you have a bent toward, doesn't make it all right. We don't live by our desires, our fleshly desires. We live by what the Word of God says. This is important. We understand this. And there's a story in, in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. That really illustrates this, this, this idea really well. It's a story of this guy named Achan. So let me set this up for you. Um, Joshua is leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And they're getting ready to step into this promise that they've been kind of waiting for for about 500 years. This promise of this promised land that God promised to Abraham years and years before. And they've, they've been in the wilderness. And there's actually a whole generation of these people that have, that have died off including Moses, the great leader that brought them out of Egyptian captivity. But now they're getting ready to finally step into the promised land and really go after it. But they discover something as they get ready to go into the land. There are inhabitants in the land. There are people that are living in this land of promise. Now, it's their land. It's promised to them by God. But there's still uh, things trying to keep them from it. And listen, that's true for all of us. There's promises God has for you. But it doesn't mean there's not going to be resistance. You're going to have to fight against some of this stuff. And so they're getting ready to go in the land, and they find that there's, there's, there's villages, there's cities, there's people living, and they've built fortified uh, cities for themselves. In fact, the first city they come on is a city called Jericho. And Jericho, it says uh, in the Bible that no one could go in and no one could come out. They had these huge walls they had built up, and on the outside, it looked like there was really nothing that Israel could do. But God said, hey, I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to fight this battle for you. If you'll just follow what I say to do, I'll take care of it. And then he gives them the plan. And here's the plan. They literally, here's what they had to do. They had to walk around the city once a day for seven days. And then on the seventh day, they had to walk around seven times. And then they shouted as loud as they could. And they blew the trumpets. And God said, I'm going to knock the walls down. But then he gave them one little command as they went into this first city. And we find it in Joshua 6, 17. It says this. This is God talking to the children of Israel. He says, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or for yourselves, uh, I'm sorry, or yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything, look at this, made of silver and gold and bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Okay, so God says, I'm going to fight the battle. I'm going to do my thing and take care of this for you. But here's what I want. All the gold, all the silver, all the shiny stuff, I want you to give that to me as an offering. I want you to put that in my treasury. You can't touch it. That's for me. I'm setting that apart for me. If you obey me, it's going to be good. If you don't, it's going to hurt you. This is what God says to them. And so it goes on from there. Uh, they, they go and they do their thing. They, they obey their part of what God asks them to do. They go to the city. They walk around it for seven days. On the seventh day, they walk around seven times. They shout, the trumpets blow, and the walls came tumbling down. And, and, and they, they win the city. God fights the battle for them. It, it's, it's a done deal. But there's this guy named Achan. And Achan goes into the city after this has all happened. 
And, uh, and Achan's walking around, and he went into this, this room, this inner chamber, and it says he was all by himself. He was alone. And he saw, he saw some silver coins, and he saw this giant wedge of gold, and he saw this really dope Babylonian coat. And he was like, dude, I got to get that coat, and I got to get this stuff. And he saw it, and he began to, to lust after it. And so the Bible says that he took these things, and he took them back to his tent, and he hid them. So then, story goes on from there. The children of Israel are, are going to fight the next fight. They're going to fight this city called Ai, which is actually not as intimidating of a city and a task as Jericho was. But as they go towards the city, they, things do not go well. The battle does not go well at all. And so it's obvious that something is wrong. So Joshua goes back to meet with the Lord, and here's what God says to him. God shows him what's up. He says in Joshua 7, verse 11, Israel has sinned. And they also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. So God says, hey, somebody didn't do what I said. Somebody took some stuff. They stole some stuff. And that's why this is happening. And so Joshua begins with God's help to start this process of trying to figure out who did the bad deed. And God leads him to to a tribe And then God leads him to the right clan. And then God leads him to the right family. And then God leads him to the person of Achan. And in Joshua chapter 7 verse 20, Achan is caught and he confesses to what has happened. He says this. He says, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, look at this, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. Now notice the sequence here of what happens. It says he saw, he saw it with his eyes. And let me just tell you, this is the sequence of lust. This is how it works. We see something, then we want something. He lusted. Then it says he took something and then he hid from that thing. He hid the something that he got. This is what happens. And we see this sequence over and over again in lust. We see in the story of David. Remember David and Bathsheba? What happened? He saw her. She's taking a bath. He saw her. And he lusted for her. He wanted her. He had her brought to her. He took her. And then once he sinned and impregnated her, what did he do? He, he had her husband murdered to try to hide his sin. Notice where it starts. It starts with a look. Lust begins with a look. If you're having a problem with lust in your life, look at your eyes. What are you looking at? What are you seeing? Change what you're looking at. This is the path of sin. When we let let our desires drive. Now here's something interesting to me. As I'm reading this this week, I'm just kind of thinking, what was Achan thinking? Really? Like, this guy, understand, he was born in in Israel in the wilderness. Uh, That's that's where his life began. He, He has no way of explaining away how he got this stuff. Like, if he comes out one day dressed in his dope Babylonian robe, everybody's going to be like, dude, uh, what are you doing? Or all of a sudden, he's just rich. <laughs> but, here, but here's the thing. Here's what he was thinking. He was thinking, I want that. He wasn't thinking about the consequences. He wasn't thinking about what was going to lead to. He was just thinking, I want something. i got to have it. I'm, I'm going to take it. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that later. And that's how this, this issue of lust can be in our life. Because now always yells louder, but later 
always lasts longer. If you're taking notes, write that down. Now yells really loud, but later lasts really long. And it will hurt you. And as a result, it cost Achan his life. He lost his life. Now here's what's so sad about this whole thing. Is this happens in Joshua chapter 7. The Achan's gone. He didn't trust God. He loses his life. In Joshua chapter 8, then God does move them towards this fight with Ai. And God tells them how this fight's going to go down. And look at this, Joshua chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. So God's saying, once again, I'm going to win this for you. It's it's done. It's going to be taken care of. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. How did they destroy Jericho and its king? They barely had to do anything. God took care of it for them. But look at what it says next. This is amazing. But this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. You get what happened there? God says, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take care of it for you. But this time, when you guys go into the land... And you see the shiny stuff, you see the gold, you see the silver, you see the dope Babylonian clothes, it's all yours. You can have it, because I love you. And, and this is the pattern that the rest of the, the, the battles follow. God just wanted that first city. Because you see, Jericho was a test. Jericho was the tithe. It was the first fruits. It was, it was them saying, we're going to put God first. And then after that, God blessed the rest. And this is what God does. This is, this is why we, we encourage you to be a tither at the church, where you take the first fruits, the first that God gives you, and you sow it into the kingdom of God. And you declare through that, that I know that God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. God can do more with 90% of my finances blessed than I can do with 100% of my finances cursed. And this is what he was teaching them. If you put him first... He'll take care of the rest. But the sad thing is Achan didn't get to experience that because he died not trusting God in Jericho. And understand, God had stuff for Achan. God had land for Achan. God had a plan for Achan's life. God had a plan for Achan's family. God had a plan. He wanted to do great things through his life just like he does with you. But but Achan missed out on that because he didn't trust God. Because here's what he did. When he heard God say no, what God was really saying was not now, but what he heard was not ever. You get that? He heard God say no, and really God was just saying not now, but he took it as not ever. And this is a problem that we can face sometimes in life. We, we, we think God is telling us not ever sometimes when really God's just saying, hey, just wait, because I've got a better plan for you. Take sex, for example. Uh, sex is something that God has ordained. He's created it. He made it feel good for a reason. He could have made us reproduce in any way he wanted to, but he made it really cool. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. But, but here's the thing. If we do it outside of how God has it planned to be done, it, it doesn't work. I remember, it's funny, I remember right before I got married, it was kind of this funny reality that kind of sunk in with me. Like my whole life, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were ministers and preachers. And my whole life, it was like, no, don't do that. Stay pure. You know, no, uh-uh, hey, no, get, get away from her. Like, that was my life. And then you get married, and it's like, so when are you guys going to have babies? Like, it just flips. And you realize that there's, there's no other sin in this world. That at one, There's nothing else in this world that one time is a sin, and then all of a sudden it's not. Think about it. Sex is the only thing that at one point in your life, it's a sin, and then it's, it's all good in, in the covenant of marriage. Woo! 
Have fun. Reproduce. Yay. But you need to understand something. God has a plan. And he knows the best version of that is the version that is done his way in the covenant of marriage where two people are united with Christ, united in spirit, united in, in, in body through this thing called marriage. That's God's plan. And your desires can keep you from your destiny. When, when, when God tells you not to take something and you take it and do it your own way, you can hurt yourself. In fact, I want to give you three things um, this morning, three ways that impurity can affect you in your life. Number one, impurity affects your faith. Whether you realize it or not, impurity affects your faith. Have you ever been getting ready to go pray and you, uh, you go to pray or maybe you come into a worship service like this today and kind of like what Ryan was talking about, you find yourself kind of going, oh man, I know, I, I shouldn't have done that this week. And, and you find yourself, what, what that's called is your sin conscience. And you start to think about where you've stumbled and where you've messed up and the mistakes you made. And so when you go to God to pray, you're like, oh man, I, you know, I really, I don't know that I, if I'm qualified to go to God in prayer. And your faith is affected. And when your faith is affected, realize this, your prayers can't get answered if you can't have faith. The Bible says this, and let me show you this, James 1, verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith, talking about prayer. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. He is double-minded man and stable in all his ways. So when we, when we have this sin conscious of the things that we've done and we feel impure and we've made these mistakes and we go to God in prayer and we find ourselves kind of going, man, I don't know, I, I, I know I haven't been living the right way, so I don't know if God can answer me. And it affects our faith. It's not that God's turning his back on you. It's that your sin is getting in between you and God and it's keeping you from having the clear connection he wants you to have. And so what do we have to do? We have to repent. We have to get that right with the Lord. So number one, impurity affects your faith. Number two, impurity affects your family. It affects your family. This isn't just about you. There's people around you that are being affected by the sins that you commit. David fell morally in 2 Samuel chapter 11 with Bathsheba. Two chapters later in 2 Samuel chapter 13, his, his family falls into sexual sin. Exodus 34 verse 6, look at this with me. It says this, it says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and trust, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving, look at these two words here, iniquity and transgression, and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now it talks about two kinds of sin here. It talks about an iniquity, which iniquity is an inward sin. It's the sins that we maybe don't necessarily completely walk out in their worst form, but we, we have some places in our heart where we think some things and we, we kind of commit some sins within us. We don't necessarily walk them out, but they're there and they're in our hearts. A transgression is, a, is an outward sin. It's a sin we act on. It's a sin we totally walk out in our life. And, and what it says here is that these iniquities, these hidden sins, affect your family. It says, visiting the iniquities of the father upon the children and the children's children. They affect your kids. That, that hidden sin that you're participating in that you think nobody knows about, moms, dads, it's affecting your kids. It's going to hurt them. It's going to keep them from the plan of God. The inward motivation towards impurity that you have will affect your family. And I've seen this. I've seen this in, in my life. 
I grew up, as I said earlier, uh, a minister's kid. And my dad was a part of a church, and there were other leaders around his age uh, uh, that were also a part of this church. And, and they had kids. We were all about the same age. And I grew up with some of these kids. And so there was me and, and my family, and there was the pastor, and he had some sons and daughters, and we were friends. And then there was this other leader in the church, this other pastor in the church. And he had some sons that were close to our age. And growing up, you know, we, we weren't perfect. Listen, I was not by any means a perfect kid. I did a lot of stupid stuff. But growing up, I, I never got into really, really bad stuff. I never questioned God in my life. I never questioned if Jesus was real. And, and neither did the pastor's sons. We all, you know, we weren't perfect, but we never start, moved into really gross, immoral stuff. But these other kids of this other pastor, they did. They started walking away from God. They started participating in sins that were way... I mean, and we would look at them and just kind of be like, what is going on with these guys? Well, I found out a few years later that their father had been a very immoral man for years and years and years. He had gotten caught up in pornography at a young age, and then he began to, to move further and further into that, and he started committing sin, and he began to cheat on his wife and got involved with prostitutes and all sorts of gross, immoral, terrible things. And when this all came out, I remember thinking, now it all makes sense. And what's sad is I've seen those, those sons that were raised in the same kind of church, around the same kind of people, but I've seen them go down this path. And right now, none of them are living for God. Some of them are living in ways that are completely opposite. Their hearts are turned to the point away from God that they're, they're actually pro, like, posi like positively trying to fight against the church. It's a sad, sad thing I've seen. And listen, that door was open because of their father. Your sins affect other people in your life. And you need to realize that. This is a big deal. This isn't just about you. This is about the world around you. And, I, and I'm, I know I'm being kind of strong here, but I, I want you to get it. This is important. Now, the good news is uh, Jesus can forgive you, and he can heal you, and he can do a work in you. In fact, I can show you how Jesus can forgive this very thing. In, in Isaiah 53, talking about Jesus, it says he was wounded, look at this, for our transgressions. Wounds on the outside for our transgressions. Look at this. He was bruised. What's a bruise? It's under the skin. It's hidden, right? He was bruised for our iniquity. The cross covered everything. Jesus took care of everything. And if we'll run to him and we'll repent and we'll allow him to, he can heal you of every aspect of your life. He can bring freedom to you. But you need to take this seriously. Impurity affects your family. It affects your faith. Number three, impurity affects your future. Impurity affects your future. The only person who can derail you from the plan of God that he has for your life is not the devil. It's you. You're the only person. Jesus, through the cross, he gave us the keys to this kingdom. <laughs> he gave us the ability. And, and the only way the enemy can get you is if you hand him over the authority that God's given to you. You let him walk in that authority. We see a great picture of this in the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph? Joseph was the, the little boy that his brother sold him into slavery. And, and we, we, we fast forward in his story a little bit, and we find him in the house of this guy named Potiphar. And he's been really faithful, and he's now the, the number two guy in Potiphar's house, running everything. Even though Joseph had these amazing dreams, and it seems like they're never going to come to pass, Joseph is still staying faithful. He's still doing everything he can. But then Potiphar's wife begins to see Joseph and begins to start lusting after him. 
And she begins to pursue him and try to get him to have sex with her. Now think about Joseph. You could look at his life, it would probably be very easy for him to go, you know, this, this is not going the way it's supposed to go. I'm never going to step into God's dream for me. Uh, this, is, this is available, no one's going to know. Why don't I just go ahead and just do this? But he didn't. He resisted it. And she came after him one day and actually grabbed a hold of him and he had to run out. The Bible says ran out without his robe on. And, and, and she went then, she was so mad that he, he kept resisting her that she told her husband that he had come on to her. And so then Joseph gets thrown in prison. But you know what? It's through the prison that he ends up in front of the Pharaoh and he ends up getting this position of the number two person in the most powerful kingdom in all of the world at that time. That would have never happened. Would have never come to pass had he not stood up for what was right. If he would have given in to that temptation, he would have never walked in the dream God had for him. But he resisted it. And even when at that moment it didn't look perfect, God worked it out. God made all things work together for his good. If you'll follow God, if you'll make a plan to say, God, I'm going to fight for purity. I'm going to fight to do the right thing. I'm going to fight to live for you. Even even when it's hard sometimes, even when it's difficult, I'm going to do everything I can. God will advance you and help you to step into the dream that he has for you. But listen, if you can't fight this, if you can't stand for purity, if you, if you keep falling into impurity, you're going you're gonna to hurt God's ability to move you into what he has for you. So, so purity is a big deal. It's God's will for our life. He wants us to walk in it. It's a fight. It's a war we're going to have to declare. So how do we make it a habit in our life? I'm going to give you some five ways that you can do that this morning, okay? Number one, think about purity. Think about purity. Think about it. Have a plan for it. Have a plan for purity in your life. What's your plan for purity? How are you keeping yourself pure? What's your standard for purity? Look at the word of God and then ask God, what's your standard for me? What do you have for me? And then put together a plan. If you're struggling in some areas where, where, that when it comes to purity, there's some areas of your life that you know you're doing things that are, that are impure, that are hurting you, put a plan in place. If you're struggling with pornography, where are you getting it? Put things in place to stop you from getting it. <laughs> If it's on your phone, put some filters on your phone. Take apps off your phone. Get something like Covenant Eyes that monitors what you're doing on your phone. And get accountability with other people who look at that and, and pay attention to that. Put a plan in place. Uh, don't, don't, if you're struggling with this kind of stuff, don't go to your computer late at night if you're struggling with that. If you're in a relationship with another person and you keep finding yourself stumbling, you're not married yet, you, you may be going in that direction, but you're not there yet, but you keep kind of stumbling in purity, put a plan in place. You know, think about what, what's leading you down that path. What are some of those seemingly unimportant decisions that keep leading you towards impurity? If you really sit down and think about it, what's, what's the things? Do they live alone and you find yourself over at their house and all of a sudden you do things that are impure? Quit going to their house. Watching romantic movies under the blanket? I dated. I know what's up. Quit doing that. Put a plan in place. And let me tell you a couple other things you need to do. You need to think about the consequences of impurity in your life. If you're married, think about how, if your husband, how, how your impurity affects your wife. How it's, it's, it's going to hurt her. Because listen, your sins will find you out. It's going to hurt her. Um, think about how it'll affect your kids. Think about having to stand before your kids and say, I'm sorry, but mom and dad are getting a divorce. Because mommy or daddy... Did something really stupid. 
how that's going to affect them. Think about the consequences of this. You might even want to write down a list of how this can hurt you. Get real with this. If you're struggling with this, go to war. Fight against it. Get real with it. But don't just think about the bad consequences. Also, think about the good things that are produced out of purity. The Bible says this in Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about how God wants to use you. Let me tell you some ways that God wants to use your purity. First Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says this, uh, talks about this. If, if I'm pure, I'll be living in God's will for my life. You want to be in the will of God? We talked about that earlier. You need to walk in purity. Galatians 5 verse 13, if I'm, if I'm walking in purity, I won't be a slave to my lust. I'll be free to serve others and to serve God in love. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says that if I'm pure, my life will be fruitful and the fruit of my life will be goodness and rightness and truth. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, if I'm pure, my mind will no longer be foggy. My heart will be teachable and I'll be filled with the life of God. 1 Kings 11 verse 4, if I'm pure, my heart will not be enslaved to the worship of the wrong things, which means I can wholeheartedly devote myself to the worship of the true and living God. Hebrews 13, 4, if I'm pure, I will keep my marriage bed undefiled. Ephesians 5, 16, if I'm pure, I will no longer waste my my time on lifeless things, but instead make the most of my time. If I'm pure, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 4 tells us that I will be an honorable person. If I am pure, 1 Corinthians 6 12 says, I will not be enslaved to sinful passions. There's blessings that come with walking in purity. So think about purity. Number two, get accountable. Get accountable. You need to have some people in your life that you can talk to, that can help you to walk in the healing that you need from some of these, these impure things that you might be doing. Uh, James 5.16 says this, you need to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. We confess our sins to each other to find healing. And that's why we, we talk about stuff like groups here. That's why we want you to get connected in a group because we want you to have people around you that can help hold you accountable. And when I talk about accountability, I'm not just talking about having some buddies or some girlfriends that you can get together with and you can say, you can talk about how you messed up here and they all just go, oh, it's okay. You know, I did too and we'll be fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stirring each other up towards good works. Bible says this in Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting, look at this, to meet together as a habit, right? Talking about habits. We need to make this a habit, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And let me just tell you something. If you're married and you have a Christian spouse, that's the person you need to be talking to. You need to be accountable to your spouse, and I know it's hard. I, I've lived it. I've done it. I wouldn't ask you to do something I haven't had to do, but I've done it. And it's been, it ha, at one point, really hard. But, but here's what I've learned. The Bible says when two people get married, that two people become one flesh. That in the spirit, that God unites these two people. And, and God sees you as a married couple. He sees you as one, unified. And there's one part of me that doesn't struggle in the area of lust. And she's sitting right there. So why would I not lean into her in an area that I'm weak in where she's strong? You know, at one point, Sarah used to struggle with fear. I don't struggle with fear. And so what did she do? She came to me and I helped her. I was, a, I, she, I was able to be someone she could turn to. She could draw strength from me. And together, we were strong together. 
If you need an accountability person in your life, someone that's not just going to pat you on the back, someone's going to help you, that loves you and wants the best for you. If you're married to a Christian spouse, turn to them, run to them. Don't be afraid. And listen, if somebody comes to you and confesses things that they need help with, you need to help them. You need to help them. Walk with them. And and I'm telling you, on the other side of whatever pain or hurt you may be facing in that moment is the best life you could ever imagine. It was hard telling my wife that that I had an issue with pornography. But on the other side of that has been a marriage I wish you could all experience. So you need to get accountable. Number three, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Psalms 119 verse 9 says this, how can a young person stay pure? That's what we're talking about. By obeying your word. Obeying it. Doing what the word of God says. What does it say next? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119 verse 45 says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. The Bible is a powerful spiritual weapon force in our life. It has the power to guard your mind. It has the power to feed your mind. It has the power to free your mind, but it cannot do those things unless you put it in your mind and into your heart. So how do you do that? And notice it says, it says, I've devoted myself to your words. I've hidden them in my heart. Here's how you do that. You read it. You meditate on it. Meditate just means that you find scriptures. You look at those scriptures. You speak those scriptures. You, get, you, you memorize those scriptures. You get them down deep inside of you. And then when the trials come, when the, when the issues of life come, you can stand on the word of God. God will remind you. The Holy Spirit will remind you of those verses that you've dedicated to your heart. He'll quicken those verses to you so you can stand against the enemy. When Jesus was in the wilderness and the, enemy, and the devil came against him and tried to tempt him, what did Jesus say? He said over and over again, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he didn't have a scroll with him. Where was it written? It was written in his heart. You need to write the word of God in your heart. Get it down deep inside of you. Number four, lean into your helper. Who's your helper? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, but the helper, and just in case you don't know, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said. The Holy Spirit wants to help you overcome impurity. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the power and the wisdom and the person of the Holy Spirit in operation in your life. He wants to help you where you're struggling. He wants to bring peace to your mind. He wants to remind you of what the Word of God says. And he wants to bring power to your life. Acts 1.8 says you receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power that the Holy Spirit wants to put into your life is the kind of power that can help you overcome any addiction, any struggle, any issue, any stronghold, whatever it may be, you can receive that. And at New Song Church, we believe, this is what we believe, we believe that there's, a, there's, a, there's another baptism of receiving the Holy Spirit that you need, to, you need to ask for. And God wants to equip you with this power that you need. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of the service today. But you need the Holy Spirit. You need to lean in to your helper, the Holy Spirit. Number five. This is big. Recognize who you are. Recognize who you are. Look back at 1 Peter 2, verse 11 with me. He said this. He said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. You notice what he did there? He goes on to talk about fleeing from sexual or from from immorality, from fleshly lusts. But before he says that, before he talks about what you need to flee from, he makes a declaration of who you are. And here's who he says who you are. You are sojourners and pilgrims. 
Here's another way of saying that. You're an alien. And when I say alien, I don't mean you're a little green man. I mean, this is not your home. Your home is in heaven. You are seated with Christ Jesus. You're, me and you are soldiers. We're pilgrims heading towards this, this place, this ultimate destination that God has for us. Philippians 3 verse 20 says this, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. In your true life, in the Spirit, you belong with Christ, and you're heading home. And your entire life is a pilgrimage now, sojourning your way to heaven. And I think if we can really get this down in our heart, it helps us when it comes to purity. Because what would a person who doesn't live here, how would they respond to some of these things that try to come against us? Because here's here's what it boils down to. We're not living for pleasure here. We're living for treasure there. This little segment of life we have here on this earth, it's a flash for when you think about eternity. And yet sometimes we, we dedicate our whole lives to this this short little 90, 100 years, if we're lucky, that we're going to be here, when eternity is at stake. And people will sacrifice this for that. And it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. We're not living for this. My portion is not in this life. My portion is in the life to come with Jesus Christ. And so when I think that way and sin tries to come against me and say, oh, you need this, I think, no, no, no. I'm going to, and realize this, when I resist, when, when you resist the temptations of this world and impurity, God sees that and there's a reward in, you for, in heaven for you for those things. This, this is a big deal. We're citizens of heaven. You need to know who you are. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. And as they do, I want to kind of put one more thought with you today as we kind of close this out. There's one word that Peter uses here too in the second Peter two eleven, And don't check out on me yet. Man, this is so big what I'm getting ready to say. I know you can hear a message like this sometimes and, and you hear it and you start to think about the mistakes that you've made, you know, the things that you've done. Maybe there's, you, you sit here today and there's, there's huge portions of your life that you wish you could go back and relive and, and fix and change. I know I'm that way. Parts of my past that I just go, man, I wish I would have never done that. I wish I would have never got caught up in that. I wish I could change that. But I want you to understand something. If, if you look at your life right now and you're looking at your past and you hate the things that you see, I want you to know that when God looks at you, he doesn't see those things. Peter says something here that's so interesting. Right before he says this whole verse, what's the first thing he says? First Peter 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, Beloved, before he gives us instructions on purity, he declares that we're the beloved. We're the beloved of of God. We're the beloved of Jesus Christ. And you may look at your life today and look at your wasted years and maybe you feel like there's a scarlet letter that's been stamped on your heart, that you're unqualified. Maybe you even feel like, what's the point of changing this now? I've already wasted so many years. But I want you to know something. If you make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, and you surrender to him, there's his scarlet blood that was shed for you at the cross, cleanses that sin away from you and makes your heart pure and as white as snow. And the Bible says that God remembers your sin no more. That he looks at you and he sees his child. He sees somebody that's free. He, he's, he's forgotten about it. He sees somebody that 
has accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and it's a done deal in his eyes. So don't, the past is in the past. Now we move forward. We walk forward with God. If you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Would you just take a moment and just kind of listen? Allow him to speak to you. Maybe there's areas of your life that you've been walking in some impurity, some sins that you know you should not be committing. The enemy wants to identify those sins as being who you are, but Jesus says that's not who you are. You're a child of God. He's forgiven you. He's made a way. And if that's you today, here's what you do. You just repent and you ask for forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin in this world. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never asked him into your heart, surrendered your life to him. If that's you today, I'd love to pray with you. In fact, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, with no one looking around, this is just between you and God right now. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see? Just raise up your hand and I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you, you know, come up here and do a dance or anything like that. I just wanna know so we can pray with you. So let's do this this morning. I'm gonna lead you guys in a prayer and I want everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Uh, Whether you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or you have, let's all say this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need salvation. Father, forgive me. I turn my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I make my life about you. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have a need of prayer in your life for anything, uh, I would love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to join our faith with, with yours today. Maybe you're here today and you just made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to come forward and, and let one of these guys know. The Bible says, um, talks about how if you confess God before man, he'll confess you before his father. This is an important step. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to come forward and just let one of these guys know that I prayed that prayer. And here's the thing, we've got something for you. We wanna help you moving forward in this walk with Jesus Christ. We've got a gift for you. At New Song Church, we believe when you get saved, it's your spiritual birthday. So we've got a present for you today. We've got something. We've got some, some birthday cake M&Ms. We got a book that's gonna help you. We wanna put some things in your hand to help you move forward in your walk with God. Maybe you're here today and you've never uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've never made, uh, you've never accepted this helper, this aid that Jesus offered to give to us in the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, we would love to pray with you. The Bible says that all we have to do is just like we receive salvation, we receive by grace through faith. That's how you receive the Holy Spirit. It's by grace, you can have it. Through faith, you just believe it, you can receive it. You come up here, we'll pray with you. We'll help you to have a better understanding of that. Don't walk out of here. If you're, if you're struggling, man, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the, the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants to walk alongside you and help you and equip you. Maybe you're here today and you're just, you just need prayer for whatever it may be. Maybe something big, maybe something small, whatever it may be, we'd love to pray for you. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me this morning as we close down the service. David, what he's gonna do is him and uh, the team here are gonna lead us in a song. And if, uh, if you need prayer, this is the time that you can come forward and receive prayer.
But if not, I just want to encourage you to just kind of use this moment to reflect on what God's saying to you today, to worship God for for what he wants to do in your life and just kind of connect with him. So Lord, I just thank you for this service today. I thank you for the this gift of purity that we can walk in, this habit of purity that we can form in our life. Help us, God, to walk with you and to form these habits that we need that you've created to help empower us in this life. And I pray that if there's anyone in here that has a need of prayer for any reason, Lord, that you would encourage them and invite them and give them the boldness to step forward and receive that prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.